Hi, and welcome to the Next Element podcast. We're here with Dr. Nate Regeer, CEO, co-founder, and owner of Next Element. He's also an author of the book Beyond Drama and an upcoming book on the topic of compassionate accountability. Nate blogs at nextfromnate at nextelement.com. Welcome, Nate. Hi. How you doing? So we wanted to dive into today, Nate, just to start the conversation. What is compassionate accountability? Well, it's a concept that we have seen used very rarely, but we've we've started to bring these two words together to articulate this notion that compassionate accountability is the art of using positive conflict to catalyze positive outcomes. You know, for the most part, leaders that we work with have a really unhealthy relationship and history with conflict. Either they've experienced the casualties in the past when there's been negative conflict, or they use, they use it in unhealthy ways and think that that's okay. And generally that leaves a wake of destruction in their path. We believe that compassion without accountability gets you nowhere, and accountability without compassion can get you alienated. So blending the two is, the, is an art, and it's something we don't see very often. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Nate, that, that it's a two-component uh, concept. So can you talk about what, what exactly is conflict? Well, conflict is just energy, really. It's not good or bad. It's how we use it that's, that seems to make the difference. A lot of times people think that conflict is something that should be controlled or managed or mediated, but really it's a very powerful source of energy. Generally, anytime there's a gap between what I want and what I'm getting or what I'm experiencing, that gap is conflict. A friend of mine, Michael Mead, a wonderful mentor, he said that the purpose of conflict is to create. And so, since conflict is difficult and it has creative potential, it seems like people need better ways to engage conflict to create something amazing. Yeah, that's all really good, and it, it, it totally makes sense. I think we tend to think of conflict as a negative thing, but from what you're saying here, Nate, it's that it's not really negative. It's just energy, and it's what you do with it. It is, and if we're going to use conflict positively, we need a tool, and this is where we came back to the notion of compassion. A lot of people don't probably think of compassion as kind of a touchy-feely, my heart goes out to people, an empathy kind of thing. But truly, the Latin root of the word compassion means to struggle with. Compassion is a way to struggle with others through conflict towards a greater purpose. And so accountability means that we still care about people while we are achieving our goals. And we've put compassion with accountability together in a way to develop a set of tools for leaders to do both, to be able to hold people accountable and honor their dignity at the same time. About compassionate accountability as kind of the way to handle situations, how what is the flip side of that? You know, what is the opposite of compassionate accountability, and why don't people just bring compassionate accountability to every situation as kind of a default? Well, that's a great question. And if if positive conflict is a compassionate accountability and it has creative possibilities, then we call negative conflict drama. At the most basic level, drama is just using conflict in a destructive way. And I think it stems from the fact that when we're in drama, we're much more invested in justifying our negative behavior than actually creating anything worthwhile. You know, a recent Gallup survey estimated that drama costs the U.S. economy about $350 billion a year, just in lost productivity. 
Because when we're in drama, we're spending our energy feeling justified instead of trying to get anything useful done. So what is a tendency of a person, let's say, Nate, that I go into drama? You know, what is my tendency to react when I'm in that scenario? Well, that it's easy for us to know drama because we feel it in our gut. It's a little bit more difficult to actually diagnose it and identify what's going on. And uh, we rely on a great model by a, a Dr. Stephen Cartman called the Drama Triangle. And he identified that there's basically three roles people play when they get into drama. The persecutor goes on the attack, going after people for being lazy or stupid or, or negligent or whatever. Uh, the victim takes it. And so they're willing to take it on the chin and give in. And then there's that rescuer, you know, that person that's always trying to meddle and they worry about everyone's business except for their own. And, uh, you know, it's easy because these three roles have been played in our families and our companies as long as we've been around. And so most of us grow up running to our drama corners when we're in conflict and we learn by example from the people we've been around. What exactly motivates? people to want to be in that drama scenario. I mean, it sounds like it's a terrible place to be. Why do people go there? Well, I, you know, I believe in the positives of human nature, but it doesn't mean that we don't have some downsides. And I think the reason we go into drama is because it capitalizes on our basic human nature to want to be justified. You know, I know I'm feeling justified whenever I say to my daughter, see, see what happens. It's kind of like I get to say, I know I was right. And it's just a deep human urge. And so I think no matter how delusional or unhealthy our beliefs are, we still would like to believe we were right. And uh, drama, I think, taps into that essential human desire to do that. So then the flip side here is this compassionate accountability idea. So how does that actually kind of uh, negate the drama tendency? Well, what it does is it requires us to hold in tension this notion of kindness for other people and to others, and at the same time, working to meet performance goals. It's very difficult to want more from somebody, want more from ourselves in a positive way, and be able to do that without fear, without intimidation, without guilt, while still honoring their dignity. And we teach that through what we call the cycle of compassion. It's a method to use three complementary skill sets that are kind of like the antidotes to drama. We call those openness, resourcefulness, and persistence. And we've developed a model to be able to use those in a specific way to build resilience against drama and then also to lead others through positive conflict. And not everyone's equally competent in each of those three skills, but they can learn to develop them and use them in some pretty amazing ways to do conflict that doesn't hurt anybody. We're talking here a lot, I think, theoretically and, and abstractly, but give us an example. I mean, looking out at recent history or even past history, can you talk about a time or, or even in your daily life that you can use as, as an example of when you've seen compassionate accountability successfully demonstrated, and then what was the outcome of that interaction? Well, I use it every day with my family and my teammates. Uh, one example that sticks out for me particularly was a very difficult one. Um, I helped a nurse manager fire four nurses in one afternoon, and I will call her Joy. Her, her boss had, had determined that the, her department needed to be downsized by 25%, and they hadn't come to her about who it should be. They'd already run the numbers. They decided who should be fired, and they basically gave her a list and said, uh, let these people go this afternoon. I helped her use our, our model of the cycle of compassion and using compassionate accountability to be able to conduct each one of these four uh, firings. 
Uh, we prepared for each one, we did role plays beforehand, and we helped her develop a backup plan in case things didn't go well. Uh, it was an excruciating afternoon. One by one, she told perfectly decent nurses who thought they were doing their best that they didn't have a job anymore. She showed empathy without getting overly personal, which is tough. Uh, she offered the help and information that she could without over-explaining. And she stayed true to the non-negotiables and stayed true to the to the duty that she was given by her, her superiors. And, you know, each of those four nurses responded in their own way. Uh, one was scared to death of lo- losing her health insurance because her husband had cancer. Uh, one of them was certain that it was just a plot to get rid of the longest tenured employees, and another one threatened a lawsuit. So Joy was up against some pretty significant drama, and she stuck to her principles of compassionate accountability. Now, she engaged in positive conflict, and she honored everyone's dignity. And after that meeting, you know, we debriefed, we looked, licked our wounds, and got ready for the next one after each um, each time. I kind of thought like I was in a scene from Rocky IV where uh, that nurse manager kept coming to the corner to have her brow wiped and the blood wiped off and get ready to go back into the ring. But, you know, despite that horrible situation, she was amazing. She executed her duty like a champ, and she actually quit a few days later because she was so upset about the situation in which she had been put. Um, I saw her a few months later, and she thanked me a lot for that day, and, and she said... Despite how hard it was, she was so proud of how she handled it. And she was proud of being able to preserve dignity while doing a very difficult task. And uh, incidentally, one of the nurses she had fired saw her in a grocery store uh, a couple weeks later and approached her and thanked her for how well she had handled the tough situation. And it, it was it was uh, very rewarding, but very hard work. Yeah, I mean, you can't really hope for a better outcome in such a tough, tough situation. So, I mean, that's a clear demonstration of compassionate accountability at work on the flip side have you have you seen a situation in recent history where you could have used some compassionate accountability and instead didn't and what happened as a result yeah it's kind of embarrassing because you know you'd think i would know how to do this every time since i helped develop it but um i i messed up recently in such a simple way uh it was a it was a beautiful fall afternoon in Kansas uh, where I live, and the weather was beautiful. It was Friday, and I thought I could get off early, and I loved to go for walks with my wife. And she worked across the street at the local chamber at the time, and I thought, hey, I'll see if she can get off early too. Maybe we can go for a walk before the kids get out of school. And so I just texted her, and I texted her and said, Julie, what time are you getting off work? And uh, a few seconds later, I got a text back that said, Why? And I was stuck in my tracks. Part of me wanted to say, what do you mean why? Just give me the darn answer. What time are you getting off work? And then I thought to myself, okay, I just violated one of the principles of the compassion cycle, which means, and one of those principles is always start it open. Always start by disclosing your motives because people just don't know sometimes why we're asking questions or what we want. For all I know, and actually I asked her about this later, and she said, you know, my first thought was, what did I miss? Was I supposed to pick up the kids from school? What do you want from me? And she had all these kind of fantasies about what could be going on because I simply had not disclosed my motive. So I texted her back and I said, I'm sorry, let me back up. It's a beautiful day. I'd love to go for a walk with you. Can you get off work early? And she responded quickly and said, I'd love to. I'll go see what I can do. And it was just a simple example about how drama can happen when we don't follow some core principles of compassionate accountability. 
So you talked a little bit about open and starting an open, but what other steps can people take to exhibit a little bit more compassionate accountability after they hear this, this podcast? There's a couple of real simple things, and I want to reiterate how critically important it is that if we are going to get into a difficult conversation or start conflict with the intent of creating something po- positive, it's so important that we first disclose our true motives. We got to share our honest feelings without blaming anybody and let people know what we really want out of the interaction. And this level of disclosure, yeah, it's vulnerable, except no one else is going to trust us until we're willing to be honest about our true intentions while we're getting into conflict. A second piece of advice I would say is to be very clear about what resources you're willing to bring to this conflict. What can you offer and what do you need to know in order to problem solve it well? We recommend never suggest to another person what they should do. Never get unsolicited advice. It's okay to share what we have to offer and it's okay to give input if people ask. Um, And finally, I I would say definitely narrow down and crystallize your non-negotiables. Like Ken Blanchard, who's one of the top leadership gurus, says, he says, conflict occurs because of that gap between what we want and what we're getting. So let's get clear about what we want. Get clear about what's at stake and what it means for me. You know, this is not about ultimatums or threat. It's about being crystal clear about our purpose and boundaries and showing that we respect ourselves. And I think above all, keep in mind that conflict doesn't have to have casualties. Purpose of conflict is to create, and if we're willing to struggle with people instead of against them, in a spirit of equal dignity, we can accomplish some pretty amazing things. That's great, Nate. Uh, Excellent uh, intro to compassionate accountability. If if people are interested in kind of reading more about this or or any of the drama uh, materials, where should they go? I would say start with our website. We have a variety of of resources on there. Right on our homepage is what we're super excited about, and it's the Drama Resilience Assessment. It's a simple online instrument that people can take, and they can get a variety of results showing their own drama potentials and their compassion abilities. And it comes with a nice little workbook where people can put this stuff into action. I would also invite people to subscribe to my blog, uh, Next with Nate, And I write twice a week about these kinds of things, and people can get uh, helpful tips for applying these concepts at their work and at their home. And then stay tuned, because our book is, uh, our new book's getting ready to come out, and information will be forthcoming shortly. Thanks again, Dr. Nate Regeer from Next Element. This is the Next Element Podcast.